0: My name is Ricky Day, and this is Nothing to Lose But Yourself. What's going on, everybody? How are you today? I pray that you are in good spirits. I mean, I pray that for y'all every day. But today, I definitely pray that for you. It is the holiday season. We are waist deep in joy and good tidings and all that fun stuff. And gingerbread houses and Christmas cookies and family and hugs. And man, in gratitude, gratitude to make it through another year. Gratitude for all the things we have big and small and hopefully gratitude for each other. Happy, happy holidays to each of you. And yes, yes, I say happy holidays because I honor the diversity of expressions and experiences in this country. And don't get me started on the uh, people that kind of, you know, Try to handcuff you and, and push you into a corner and make you say and believe exactly what they say and what they believe. First of all, if you're really a Christian, you'd be treating people with a lot more love and kindness than you do. So let's let's not start that conversation. You're not going out. You're not going out. Christian me. You're just not going to do it because I love Jesus and Jesus says to do a lot of things that people who say they who say they love Jesus don't do. So we're gonna just love each other and we're gonna say happy holidays. And we're going to leave it there. Good? Capiche? We cool? There you have it. What's going on, y'all? This is Ricky Day. Welcome to the podcast. If you are listening for the first time, please go to social media. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Nothing to lose but yourself. If you want to follow me personally, you're welcome to do that. It's Ricky Day, R-I-C-K-Y-D-A-Y, on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Um, I want you to please rate and review the podcast podcast positively on apple uh, apple podcast and of course you can listen to the podcast wherever you want to apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio radio on our website if there's any number of ways to find us and to listen to us just subscribe to the feed so you can get the podcast every week when it drops uh, although it may not be dropping for a little while because this is the last episode of season two and we're going to go on a short hiatus uh during january and uh we'll announce our return date uh, Shortly, But I just wanted to say, first of all, you guys, I got blessed uh, with the idea, with the call, if you will, to do this uh, about this time last year, a little earlier than this last year, about this time last year, I was recording episodes for the first time. And let me tell you, this has been a wild, amazing and blessed ride. You guys have showed up and you've shown out uh, by every measurement for an independent podcast. We are a hit. And yes, I work hard. Yes, I research and write and study and book guests and do all those things. And I've been blessed enough to bring on a great producer, Matthew Guthrie, to work with me. Uh, but none of that would matter. None of it would matter if you guys didn't listen. So I sincerely thank you for supporting. All right, y'all, I am excited about today's guest. I don't know if you are, but you're going to be when I tell you a little bit more. So my guest today is a star. She has been on television for decades. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. She's a voiceover actor. And she is my Leo sister and a wonderful new friend. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Dawn Lewis. Dawn and I had a great conversation about her career, about social justice, about broad Way about television. It's so, so rich, so warm, and so much fun. So I thought this was the best way to end season two to give you guys not one but two, two Leos at the same time to send you off into Christmas and to New Year's with a big smile on your face. So sit back, relax, grab that glass of wine, that cup of coffee, that mug of hot cocoa, or that herbal refreshment if you're in, you know, California, Colorado. New York, New Jersey, whatever it is you guys do, just sit back, relax, hug your family and friends, open those presents, and then listen to this great conversation with the amazing Don Lewis. I hope y'all enjoy.
1: My guest today is a multi-talented and
0: multifaceted artist and performer. Uh, she's a recipient of the Trumpet Award, a Grammy Award, multiple NAACP Image Awards, BMI and ASCAP
1: Songwriting Awards, and an inductee into the Women Songwriters Hall of Fame. I didn't even know that existed, so I can't oh, wait to cool. dive into that. Uh, she's, of course, a talented and beloved actress and director, uh, as well with uh, TV credits that include uh, A Different World, Veronica Mars, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, One Tree Hill, and the Fox series 911, just to name a few. Because she's done a ton of great work over the years. She's also currently starring, co-starring as Zelma Bullock uh, and Tina Turner as Tina Turner's mother in the hit Broadway musical Tina, which is nominated for twelve. Tony Awards. And I just want you guys to just open your hearts, open your minds and, and turn those headphones up. Uh, welcome to the podcast, The Incomparable Don Lewis. Hey, Don, how are you?
2: Hey, Ricky. I am just fantastic. How are you doing today?
1: I am well. I'm really, really well, actually. I just uh, shot a book cover for a dear friend. I don't think the book's a secret, but I better not say anything. But he,
2: Okay. And you were the photographer?
1: I was a photographer. That is for so 50. many
2: gifts. I love yeah,
1: it. I've been gifted. You know, you're know, you my Leo sister, so you get it. We get, you know, dig
2: dig digging into that bounty. God bless us with a bounty. Go on and use it. Absolutely. Use all of it.
1: And you know, our gifts are not for us, they're for other people. We're supposed That's to use them different. to serve other people. So, I, well, I, I He gets know. them
2: to us to get them through us where they need to be.
1: Absolutely. I Absolutely, so my Leo sister, thank you for joining me. Uh, and under the current circumstances, definitely thank you for joining me. How are you How are you feeling, Don? I'm not going to tell all your medical business, but you were feeling a little under the weather. How well, you I had a
2: sore throat, and you know, in this day and age, a sore throat triggers a lot of concerns. Uh, but gratefully, it's just a sore sore throat, and uh, thankful for that. I mean, the weather is changing; it's becoming wintertime. But uh, anyone who has been watching the news anytime during this past week knows that uh, our show, Tina, along with several other shows on Broadway, have been uh, inundated with positive COVID cases. So a lot of concerts, a lot lot of shows have had to been canceled over this last week. So now we're taking it in stages to know how far out we're going to have to cancel shows. But we definitely have to give all of our performers time Mm -hmm. to heal, to mend, and to be responsible for us all to come back in, into the workspace again. And it's not just the actors that are falling prey to this. It's people in the crews, in bands and certain shows, the house so some of the house crews in certain shows, it's different from yeah. show to show, but the numbers are the numbers. And all of us have been vaccinated. Many of us have been um, gotten our booster shots as well. So that just goes to show you that this could be so much worse if we hadn't taken those precautions. So as far as I know, most people who have test tested positive um, are only suffering mild Mm -hmm. symptoms and are gonna get through it, but it could have been so much worse had they not been um, health conscious and gotten vaccinated. And us, all of us, for the most part, as far as I know, have been really responsible whenever we're not on stage wearing masks, et cetera, and socially distancing as best as we can, even while we are in the theater. You know, by the grace of God, I am still testing negative, and I pray that it stays that way. But for all of my brothers and sisters in the struggle, who are, you know, now down for, you know, what will hopefully only be a few more days, I just send and send into love and prayers and encouragement that we're going to get through this together.
1: Absolutely, so well said, and I, I, I agree with you, and I add my prayers. Uh, to that, uh, to that cadre of prayers for everybody. I hope everybody has a speedy recovery and we continue to, you know, even though it's interrupting business, which is my second concern, the human life and the human mm-hmm. uh, frailty is the most important thing. And just to be. That's
2: got to come first. Each other. That's got to come first because in the entertainment industry, without the bodies, whether it's the bodies on stage or the bodies in the viewing audience, there is no show. Mm-hmm. There is no money to be made. So while we all want to work, we all want to make money, you know, everybody wants to turn a profit as best as they can, particularly during the busy holiday season. But if everyone is sick and incapacitated, then to what game? Do you know what I mean? Uh, We have to stop and have a heart, especially in this season of Christmas. What we're supposed to be celebrating is being more Christ-like. That's what Christmas means, more Christ, being more Christ-like and being compassionate for our fellow human beings and wanting each other to be well so that we can not only survive, but thrive in the long, long run.
1: Oh, so you're going to preach today too.
2: Come on now.
1: <laughs> you're to make me get up and run around this room. No, you are right. In. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you guys listening, you can't see the visual, but first of all, Dawn is sitting here looking absolutely stunning in this gorgeous Aww. red dress and her hair is all out. And then we're up here sitting here dancing and singing and all kind of stuff. So we're having a good time. Uh, I am glad that you are well. And I thank you for those, uh, those remarks. And not only just the, the content of the remarks, but how you shared them, because People, you know, we're living in these crazy times. I don't want to get into politics. I don't have time for that stuff. But COVID is real, ladies and gentlemen. It's real, and it's a virus. And I know in this 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 country of ours, uh, education ain't our strong suit. But Viruses spread, particularly these kinds of viruses, spread through the air and through droplets oh. and such. And you can and you will get breakthrough in, um, infections sometimes, even if you're vaccinated. Because the purpose of vaccines is to help you help prevent you from getting the disease. But most importantly, they're to help present serious illness and death. And to that end, it is working. It this is variant perfect. is full of mutations.
0: Exactly. Most of all,
1: they're probably a result of us not sharing vaccines with developing world countries and letting this thing spread uh, crazy. And so, you know, the people getting sick who've been vaccinated is not proof the vaccine doesn't work. Please be a little smarter than that. That is proof yeah. of the vaccine preventing people from dying these horrible deaths. Right. And I've lost many, many people. So yeah. I don't have very much tolerance for this. Oh, it's fake. I've it, these people i've lost are not fake this is not a conspiracy people have passed and so let's just love ourselves and love each other enough to to do the right thing um i got to tell people though how we got to this moment having this conversation so i met I go to see Michael Jackson, the musical, a couple of weeks ago. Wonderful show. It was dress rehearsal. It's going to change substantially from what we saw, but it already is a great show. And afterwards, we went to this great dinner at this, uh, what was it, Glass House? We, um, Glass, House yeah, Town. Glass House we Glass House. It. it was great. With my friend, Reggie, shout back. Shout out we, to
2: Glass House. Shout out they to Glass House. They make us very comfortable after our show. They stay open late. The food is great. The company is great. The ambiance is great. So shout out to the Glass
1: House. It's a new favorite place for me. And when I tell you, I don't set foot in Times Square if I don't have to. Those of you who don't live here, New Yorkers who live in New York, we do not go to Times Square if we don't have to. Mm-hmm. But Glass House is great. It's, it's worth the trip. Uh, and so our friend Reggie uh, Van Lee, who's a great friend, uh, he's asked us to come meet him for a post-show dinner. And we go down, he's like, Yeah, I'm here with my friend Don and another friend. Like, okay, cool. We'll come on down. We get there, and it's Don Lewis, for God's sake. And I'm like, Okay, (laughs) do not fan out, do not be a weirdo. (laughs) Uh, And we sat down and had this amazing dinner. And Don and I just started clicking like we've known each other for 20 years. And, uh, Emile will become a dear friend. It's like, okay, I don't, you're never going to do this Ricky day, but Don, he has his podcast. You guys are clearly clicking <laughs> so forth and so on. And the rest is history, but I do, I got to tell you, it feels like I've known you forever. I think a little bit of a that Leo thing and a little bit That's of that straightforward thing we both have. So
2: thank you. Thank you. It was a really a lovely night, a night of kindred spirits and great conversation. We talked about everything under the sun, music, art, dance, uh, Books, we just laughed about things we had in common, and then after the fact, I found out that you're a good friend of my niece's. Yes. What a small world! What, what a an small, world. small world! So, there you go,
1: yeah. And I, you know, I moved through the world trying to be a positive and kind person, but that's another reason to do it because the world is small. And so, if you run mm-hmm. around here being nasty to people, your reputation is going to proceed. Uh, and that
2: I try to tell people I'm a witch on wheels, but nobody believes me, Ricky.
1: <laughs> because nobody believes you. The only time I would ever believe that if I saw that, I I'm going to get you, sucker. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. But girl, I got to tell you, I was doing the research for this conversation. Of course, I'm familiar with you and your career on you know, surface level. And I grew up watching Different Worlds and some of those things. But I started doing this research and I was like, hold up. I had to sit back and think about, I'm like, this woman's a force of nature. How does she have time to do all this? I mean, you're truly a Leo. I mean, you've been on Broadway, film, TV, music, songwriting, voiceovers, and so much more. Um, yet somehow I feel like there's a universe of people that may not know some of these things about you. So I really just want to spend some time today as we talk, unpacking some of that stuff and sharing these great stories. Um, you starring currently, let's start with the present. You are currently co-starring in Tina on Broadway, You're playing yes. Tina's mom. Tell me a little bit about the show and how things are going for you guys.
2: Uh, well, the show, the audiences are loving it. Uh, We're close to sold out almost every night, which we weren't expecting, quite honestly. Really? You know, with the world, yes, with the world being in the place that, that it is and everyone being health conscious and concerned, our audiences have been showing up. And everybody's been responsible wearing their masks, both, like I said, backstage, on stage, as well as in the audience. Mm -hmm. So we were very surprised to get the positive cases that we got this week. We went from zero, you know, to a serious number. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was surprising to all of us because everyone has been so careful. But the show itself takes uh, us on the journey of, I like to say, not just surviving, but the thriving of the one and only Miss Tina Turner. And her journey starts with when she was a very small child uh, being raised in a home with domestic violence. And I play her mom, who was on the receiving end of that, who ultimately made the decision that today's beating was the last beating I'm going to take. And then you find out the unsettling news that they already had one child. And Tina was the child that was basically forced on her mother. She wanted only didn't want after the first child, after whatever the realities were that she was dealing with in the household. The last thing she wanted was a second child. Mm -hmm. But uh, her husband insisted on it. They had the child and the domestic violence persisted. And now she says enough's enough. And she leaves with the older child and leaves Tina behind. So that's her first experience of being abandoned, of being Mm -hmm. subjected to domestic violence and what it cost her. What you later learn throughout the story is that uh, she comes back to live with her mother after her grandmother passes away, which is where her father left her. Mm -hmm. And then the mother and Tina, Zelma and Tina, you watch them struggle through the show to repair their relationship. And um, it's a complicated one. And I won't say any more than that about the resolution because you got to come see the show um and uh but it also sets up why she was susceptible to the charms of someone like Ike Turner mm-hmm. and what she endured with him for 16 years before finally having the strength like her mother to separate herself from that violence um it was personal to me because that's the household I raised I was raised in that was my personal story I watched my my mom be subjected to domestic violence who ultimately had to separate herself to save herself so that she could almost two years later come back and save myself and my three brothers. Oh, wow. And our journey has been very, very similar.
1: That's fascinating. I did not know that. It's such
2: a, um,
1: it's, it's terrible to hear that it's such a perversive thing in our society. And, and, and yet also in many societies around the world.
2: But it is. But the last thing I wanted was for Zelma to come across as a villain mm-hmm. because I being there firsthand I saw what it did to my mom. I saw what it cost her to herself to suffer physically and then emotionally to be separated from us as we were from her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But being there, I know why she left. And that was a very different day and age where someone looking at that today might stand up and say, you know, I would never leave my children and what kind of a woman leaves her children, etc. But that was a very different time. You know, women endured a lot of things. In that generation, they endured the domestic violence. They endured kids across town, multiple girlfriends, all kinds of infidelities. And women were left powerless. Absolutely. And with their own family members saying, you better go back to that man because who you think is going to take you with all of those kids? So you stand there enduring things that people should not have to endure. So I applaud those women. And I wanted to do this in tribute to my mom and my grandmother. Those women who started to lay the groundwork for how women today are able to stand so strong and independently dare to seek careers, dare to seek financial, emotional, and career independence because it was hard fought for. So, the last thing I wanted was for Zelma to come across as a villain, but as more human, making a very, very hard human choice, some of which some of us don't ever recover from, but at the same time, while we not be, may not be the ones to recover from it, our children and our children's children will have a better example of what they should have in, in their lives and what kind of people they should be. Do not be an abuser. Don't be an abuser. Don't be a victim. Learn how to be humane and treat each other with love and compassion and patience.
1: Absolutely, you know the other thing that women endured, and people forget about this in the mix, is the economic uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, so many times, women are in these situations not only they're being verbally and mentally, and physically abused, but they can't leave because there's so much un- economic uncertainty. They're, how are you going to exactly. care for yourself? How are you going to make money?
2: Exactly, um, because women back then were it was frowned upon for you to have a job. Yeah, even almost sometimes for you to even complete your education mm-hmm. or learn how to drive. Because some abusers don't want you to know how to get away. Exactly. They want you to feel isolated. They want you to feel stranded. They want you to feel powerless, which empowers them to treat people the way that that they do, which is very unfortunate,
1: which it's is very
2: unfortunate. unfortunate.
1: Yeah, and it speaks to a void that exists in them that they have to do that. But you know, so much of that comes out of patriarchy, it comes out of oppression, it mm-hmm. comes out of racism, it comes out of right. so many things. Uh, And one of the reasons I started the podcast is to address those kinds of things. I'm just convinced that when we understand who we are at our core, right, that we embrace our humanity, that we learn to love our authentic selves as the creations of God that we are, um, that eliminates that void that exists in so many of us. I think what's wrong with the world is so much of the world is sitting in this identity crisis, right? We've forgotten who we are as creations of God, who we are as human beings. And when you have that kind of void, you try to fill it with. Uh, material things, with wealth, with money, with uh, you try to make yourself feel better by diminishing other people. I may feel empty inside. Uh-huh. But at least I'm not a woman. At least I'm not gay. At least I'm not whatever. And you try to oppress other people in an effort to elevate yourself. And I think so much of abuse comes from that. You know, you feel powerless, you feel worthless. And so you want to control other people the way you've been controlled, the way you've been oppressed. And it's just sick. And it's very, very exactly. sad. Um, exactly. I'm glad to see us having these conversations about it, not just publicly in the the public square, but in our entertainment, in our television programming, all these things, books and writing. It's important to talk about these things and give people tools. uh,
2: to. So what you learn is that no one is immune. No one. It can touch any one of us. Um, And me, just for an example, I had sworn I would never. Be with a man who would do something like that. I would never put myself in that situation, only to when I finally chose to get married, ended up marrying somebody just like that, who was undercover, no indication whatsoever. We would go to premarital counseling with our pastor, all of that. And it wasn't until we got married that all of a sudden it was like his head spun around and it was like, okay, this is how this is going to go. And I was like, oh my God, who are you? Who are you? And it took no time at all for him to reveal this other side of his personality. And uh, yeah, I was there for about five months and said, okay, this is not what I signed out for. And you are not actually who you convinced me. You went through a lot of trouble to convince me that you were some other person. And uh, yeah, I'm out, which was the last thing he expected me to say. hmm He said, well, we just got married. You be too embarrassed. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Embarrassed? No, no. I married for true reasons. You apparently married for some other reasons. And uh, no, I'm out because I do not deserve to be treated this way. I refuse to be treated this way. And I really pray something goes off in your head and in your spirit that causes you to stop treating people this way. Mm -hmm. Had to have them arrested. Jesus. Counseling, domestic violence. Assault um counseling he had to go through, pay a fine, permanent restraining order, etc. And you just at that stage of the game, you know this is not the first time this person has done that. Right. It might be the first time he was actually held accountable, but it wasn't the first time that he did it. And you only hope that um he doesn't do that to somebody else. Absolutely. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, because it's really feeling like I'm smarter than that. What did I miss? What was I not paying attention to? How did that, That's not supposed to happen to someone like me, but it happens. So how do you regroup? What is your village like to help preserve you and to uh, embrace you and educate you towards getting back to your own personal wholeness? And you don't want to get into the trap of saying all men are this or all women are that. This was one bad circumstance. Mm-hmm. Are there other bad circumstances? Of course there are, but you shouldn't put a blanket title on anything. You know what I mean? We are all created to be beautiful, loving, compassionate, cooperative human beings. And that's what I choose to believe. Yeah, That's what I choose to believe. No, I, agree. I think men are amazing, gorgeous, sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking to one right now.
0: All that right there. Come
2: on. I I, I agree
1: with you. I really do. And it's, it's difficult to hear these stories, and it's so sad to know that they exist. But it is also good to know that. As people move forward, as we move forward as humanity, uh, I think we get a little bit better every generation. There's challenges, clearly, and today mm-hmm. is an example of that. I think we get a little bit better because God only knows the examples that you lived through with your mom, the things that you've seen in entertainment and media. Those things may have fed into that courage that you were able to summon in yourself and, and do the things that you do. You have perspective and you have a very different world that you're living in uh, right now yeah. at that time. So that's yeah. so good. To- and the grace of yeah. God. Yeah, and the My grace of God
2: to never let me forget that I'm His. Mm-hmm. I'm His child. I'm designed to be loved, not to be lashed upon. So,
1: yeah, to be loved and to be love, which is, I think, the yeah. other thing we forget. We forget that we're literally made in God's image, which means if God's the creator and God is love, which are the things that people speak about all the time then we are clearly intended to be creators. And we do indeed create with our thoughts, words, and actions. Mm -hmm. We're also here to love each other. He loves us. And there's nothing loving about the hate speech that we spew every day or putting kids in cages or attacking people for being wise enough to protect themselves from a virus. My God, just love yourself and love each other. What, you know, what's going Mm -hmm. on
2: here? I agree.
1: But it sounds like a wonderful show. I haven't had a chance to see it because of the circumstances that we've talked about. But when that cools down a little bit, I'm definitely going to come see you guys and see the show. It's really great, though, to see that they're touching on the important aspects of her life. But it's still a raucous musical show. Great songs, great oh,
2: People are on their feet singing and dancing. And by the time the show ends, if you're one of those people that likes to sneak out so you can beat the crowd, you don't want to do that. Because when the show is over, there's still another 12-minute concert. Wow. After the bows, And the audience is on their feet, just jamming. And we have a really good time.
1: Good, good, good. Really good time. Now, this is not your first time on Broadway. What was your first Broadway production?
2: Wow. My very first Broadway production was at least 20 years ago. I did um, the Boys Choir of Harlem, Mm -hmm. did a special limited engagement on Broadway. It was a few weeks. And so it was myself, them, and Kenny G was also wow. part of the company as well. That was my very first Broadway show. Uh, I've done several off-Broadway shows. I was in Shades of Harlem, Money Notes, Rabboni, Um, And then I did the Broadway national tour of the Tap Dance Kid. Uh-huh. We started here in New York and then went on the road. And I had the extreme honor of being one of the principals in that company with Tony Award winner Hinton Battle who originated the role on Broadway, the legendary Harold Nicholas of the Nicholas Brothers, Ben Harney, Tony nominee um, and Tony winner from the original Broadway cast of Dreamgirls, and Dulé Hill, who has become an amazing, amazing young man and actor in his own right. He now plays the dad on the Wonder Years reboot. He was our kid, because I've known Dulé since he was 10. That's like my little, little brother. I was pretty much just right out of college and... Here we were on the road for a little over a year, and uh, right after that, a couple of months after I came up the road, I booked a different world and moved to California. So since then, about 10, 12 years ago, I was back here in New York doing The Whiz at the Reprise City Center, yeah. the Off-Broadway production. It was myself as Pearl Lachance, who is currently on Broadway with Trouble in Mind. She was Glinda Tashina Arnold of the neighborhood was Eveline, Joshua Henry, multiple Tony Award winner and nominee, who was also in C with um, Jason Momoa. He was our Tin Man. Christian Dante White was our Scarecrow. And James Eichelhart was our Cowardly Lion. James won the Tony for Aladdin. He's in Memphis. He's now in Hamilton. The company was just absolutely amazing. And our current Ike, Daniel Watts, was also in the ensemble of the Wiz, as was Adrian Warren. Our original Tina was in the ensemble of the Wiz, so we'd known known each other since back then. So it was really, really great to come full circle and work with them again.
1: Broadway really is its own very special community. There's all these amazing, talented performers, artists, artisans behind the scenes who work together, and so many have mm-hmm. been there for so many years and done this yeah. amazing work. I, I just those those casts that you just read off oh, they're like amazing. They're like a cool school. Some of the greatest performers of our time. It's really, yeah, amazing to see. I
2: agree. Unfortunately though, for some of them, because, uh, they make the majority of their livelihood on live stages. So many of the outside world doesn't get to know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're able to cross over and do some film works and television work, like Lachance did, um, a recurring role in, um, the blacklist, mm-hmm. um, and James has done recurring roles in TV shows. And um, Joshua, like I just mentioned, has done recurring roles in certain shows. But not everybody gets to um, do that. So I'm excited when I see my fellow thespians, uh, stage thes- thespians, cross over so that more and more people can just experience their brilliance. Not just if you come to New York and see a Broadway show. But I tell you, if you see them on stage, you see something very, very special.
1: Yeah. Speaking of which, there's a young lady in your show that's already done the crossover thing, film to stage and, and back again. Uh, the young lady who plays Young Tina, correct? You were talking about <laughs> her, her life. And tell me, a little, tell us a little bit about that. I think that's just a great story.
2: I'm telling you, I want to be Sky Dakota Turner when I grow up. <laughs> I do, I do. She just literally a week ago turned 13 years old. When Sky first joined us, Tina Turner, the musical. She was 10. When Sky booked our show, she had also just booked the role of little young Aretha Franklin in the movie Respect opposite Jennifer Hudson, Mary J. Blige, um, Forrest Whitaker. I mean, that cast went on and on and on. So she had grown folk problems. She would be on stage one day. Miss Dawn, can you help me with my scenes? I was her acting coach to prepare her for whatever she was filming that week. She'd be on a plane filming, then come back, back on stage on Broadway for another couple of weeks. Okay, Miss Dawn, we're shooting this next week. Can you help me get ready? I'd prep her for those scenes. we would be back on a plane, back and forth, back and forth. And if you saw the movie, this little girl was absolutely brilliant Mm -hmm. at 10 years old. So now here it is. She's 12 going on 13. Back on stage, she came back to rejoin Tina, just as I did. And now she's slated to shoot a new feature film starting in February, where she's the lead and one of the co-exec producers. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> so I'm coaching her for this movie as well. I'm telling you, I want to be Sky Dakota Turner when I grow up.
1: Right at the business, she's One
2: of in sweetest. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One of the sweetest young ladies you will ever meet. Beautiful family, beautiful parents. Both of her parents, her mother and her father, are educators, and um, they have sacrificed a lot mm-hmm. in order to not only support her, but her their other two children's dreams as well. Because they're from Dallas, so her dad is here with her as her guardian um, while she's here doing the show and teaching from remotely, etc. While the mom is taking care of their other two children back in Dallas. It, it takes a village. And uh, I'm so excited for her and happy for her that she has that kind of a village. So for any people out there who have young children in their household, who have visions of being in this entertainment industry, it's more than an ocean. It's a lot of work. It's a huge commitment. It's a huge sacrifice, not just for that child, but for the whole family. It's really a choice that everybody Is going to have to find a way to participate in and cooperate in because it affects everyone. It does. And the more successful that child is, the more it affects everyone. You want them to be successful, but it also pulls at the fabric. So you really have to focus on making sure that fabric is healthily woven.
1: I think as the public, we don't think about that. And I mean, very oh. generous of you to share that, because that's really important information, I think, for people to understand in here. You know, I'm a photographer and artist, among other things. And people are always like, you think my kid's going to be great for TV or movies? I was like, it's a whole situation you're talking about. It's a about. whole situation.
2: I'm sure you understand wow. what
1: you get into. Uh, what you? you know, you've done film, TV, any number of things. What do you think is the most challenging aspect of being on Broadway? Broadway is a wonderful blessing, but it's also a bit of a grind. What do you find most challenging about Broadway?
2: You just said it. Eight shows a week is no joke.
1: Yeah.
2: Eight shows a week is not for the faint of heart. There's been a number of film uh, and television actors who have said, and even recording artists, who said, I want to come and do a Broadway show. And after a couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I, I don't really want to have to do this <laughs> anymore. <laughs> or my <clears> throat, my throat> I, I, I can't sing anymore. So yeah, you make records where they can stop and you can come back and record the three minute song for however many takes it takes you to do it over however long a period of time it takes you to do it. But theater is live mm-hmm. each and every time. And it's not as though you get new material. With each performance, it's the same material that you have to possess the skill set to make fresh each and every time you do it. Because no, regardless, we've just done, I think, close to 230 performances mm-hmm. of, of Tina. So that might be my 200 plus performance, but it's that audience member's first time. First time. First time coming to see it. But some people have come back three, four and five times. And then they start comparing. Well, the time I saw it last month was much better than it was tonight. And you had a different person on in this room. And they're paying attention. Mm-hmm. So, no, live performance, it, like you said, it's a grind. And the older you get, the more of a grind it is on your body because most of these theaters are anywhere close to 100 years old. So, mm-hmm. there's no elevators, there's no escalators. You are walking up and down. Flights of stairs into your dressing room. They're very tight quarters, which is why um, we're seeing so many positive cases, yeah. because even if we are fully vaccinated, even if we are responsible, you go up to your dressing room and uh, there could be anywhere from three to five people sharing the same dressing room. Mm-hmm. That is the size of a very small cubicle. It's 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 a lot of exposure. It's, it's a lot of of exposure. Um, So no, it's not for the faint of heart. And you figure a musical um, from start to finish, including intermission takes close to three hours, but you're at the theater, at least a half an hour to an hour and a half before the show. So that means four and a half hours of your life every day is spent in this building. Then you go home, you try to get some sleep, but your adrenaline is still pumping. You may get home around 1130 midnight, but you're up till three. You're up till three. You sleep the next day. You try to get some work, some errands, some business done. And before you know it, you're back on the train or walking or however you get to and from the theater, right back to work again. So it it doesn't do a lot for a social life. <laughs> I, I think you have to still be in your teens or or 20s because after that, all you want to do is sleep. I'm tired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> work, sleep, work, sleep. And sleep.
2: And just so y'all really?
1: know, because people be out there hating, hey, nobody's complaining. It's a blessing to be able to do it. That's just I the reality play.
2: of what it is. Yeah. Especially if you want to stay healthy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't you can't be out all night partying, clubbing, and expect to still be able to get up and sing yeah. eight shows a week yeah. and act and not catch a cold or or not injure yourself in a dance number because your body is exhausted. So, like I said, when you're younger, you have more energy, you have more reserve. But the longer you are in this thing, you just got to start making different choices, just like anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Theater's just interesting like though, because theater's where technique really shows up. If you
2: don't, mm-hmm. who's got it and who doesn't? Yeah,
1: because that's what happens. To so many of those recording artists, they don't necessarily have great technique. The people, and I'm not. Down recording artists, but it's just a different world. Uh, no pun intended. And <laughs> <No>, it
2: was stopping. <laughs> but uh,
1: you know, they can get by without a lot of technique sometimes because you got all this recording here, You got engineers. You got tricks. You got whatever. But
2: Technology we- and everything else.
1: Yeah, but you're doing right, right. things and I techniques there, or you're going to pay the price. You know, to that Ooh. end, though, Gladys Knight is one of those great examples of somebody that brings Ooh. that ethic and aesthetic from Broadway to her performance. I've seen Gladys Knight multiple times over the past X number of years because I'm old, and she sounds the same every time.
2: She, she sounds does. better.
1: Singing the song first time is unbelievable.
2: It's unbelievable. She is absolutely magnificent. Um, and to that point, not only is she excellence personified in her gift of singing, but her character yeah. and and her spirit. I mean, she took me under her wing like I was one of her own kids. That's my aunt Gigi mm-hmm. right there. Love her, love her, love her. And it's relationships with people like her and her example that help me understand there's a way to go through this industry and do it gracefully to do it with humility, but confidence. You know what I mean? She is confidence, not conceited. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because she works hard to be as good as she is and to maintain that level. So that doesn't happen by accident. So she's earned a confidence in herself and in her ability to recognize she shouldn't be treated just any kind of way. But at the same time, she doesn't present herself as though she's better. Than anyone at anyone else's expense. And I'm so grateful to have examples like that in, in my life as I go through and experience and explore all the different things that I want to do to require excellence of myself, not just as a performer, but in my character yeah. as well.
1: I'm so glad you offered that. I was going to ask that, but I'm so glad you did that preemptively. Oh. Uh, and and you're paying it forward as well because you're that kind of person the way you show up in the world and the folks that you. I try
2: to. That try to. That was the basis of starting my foundation, the A New Day Foundation, is to to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing that since I was a kid and didn't realize that that's what it was. I'd never heard the phrase paying it forward or um, motivational speaker. Quite honestly, not until I started doing a different world. Uh, as a kid, I got bullied in elementary school. It was it was it was not easy. The, between what was going on at home and wanting to be a good student in school, but it's never been cool to be a good student in school. So you get beaten up, you get teased, you get all kinds of things. But my teachers saw something in me that they wanted to encourage. So that was my safe space. They encouraged me to sing. I played cello for about seven years. I started dancing. When I was seven, uh, I've been singing since I was four, started acting at a, at 11. So when I graduated elementary school and went to junior high, I got in the habit of going back to my safe place mm-hmm. and visiting my teachers and telling them what it was like in junior high school and doing concerts in the faculty lounge, singing for them and talking to the kids that were currently in their class. And they would ask me, well, what's junior high school like? And, you know, all of these things And I would answer their questions. And I did that when I went to high school. Uh, I'm born and raised here in New York City, Brooklyn, New York, Bed-Stuy, Bed-Stuy and went to high school up at the up at the high school of music and art when it was still up, up in Harlem. So I would ride an hour and 20 minutes to school every day on the subway starting at 14 years old wow. from my house. Okay. In Brooklyn.
1: That's a commitment.
2: So that was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But so I would go back to my junior high and my elementary school And do what I'd always been doing. Say hi to my teachers. This is what we're doing, et cetera. I went to college, University of Miami. I studied as an applied voice major, which was opera. I was singing opera for years. But as I mentioned, I'd been dancing and acting since I was very young. So when I got to the University of Miami, um, my major, the curriculum at the school, was basically a replication of a lot of the courses I just had in high school. So I said, well, I don't have to take this again. I already had it. So I erased half of what they wanted me to take and wrote in what I wanted to take. So I wrote in dance classes, acting classes, and I'd started college. I'd started high school at 14, graduated at 16. Um, I skipped two two grades. And the university called me into the dean's office to say, we were reluctant to admit you because you're so young. So this is your one and only warning because you haven't been going to your classes. We will send you home. I said, what are you talking about? I've been going to all my classes and I got a 4.0 GPA. They said, well, you haven't been in this class, this class, and this class. I said, oh, well, I'm not in that class. I'm in this class, this class, and this class. (laughs) They said, well, who told you to do that? I said, well, nobody told me to do it. I figured it's my money. I'll take the classes I want to take. So that was when they let me know that the School of Music and the School of Fine Arts had been in conversations for two years about starting a new degree program for people like me. Mm. So I am the founder, guinea pig and first graduate with the musical theater degree program at the University of Miami. So I'm very, very proud of that. But again, so now I graduate college, I'm doing Broadway, off and on Broadway. The opportunity to do a different world also taught me the term paying it forward. You may or may not know the story that I wrote the theme song
1: for,
2: for a different world. The way that came about was again, like I said, this is not too long, just a couple of years after me getting out of college. One of the courses I studied in college was a course called Music Merchandising. I think they call it something else now. But one of our textbooks was called This Business of Music. And it was written by the attorneys Andy Feynman and Bill Krasilovsky, two attorneys here in New York City. So the musical director of The Cosby Show also was now the musical director of this new TV spinoff that everybody was hoping to get an audition for, including me. I'd been begging for three months because the same people who cast were the same people who cast the tap dance kid. I was like, you know me. You love me. Let me audition. No, Dawn. We love you where you are. Stay where you are. (laughs) Three months, they told me no. Then finally out of the blue, they called me back and said, if you're still interested, we want you to come in tomorrow. Absolutely. An hour later, the musical director called me and said, I have this demo tape. Are you Dawn Lewis? I said, yeah. He said, you wrote these songs? I said, yeah. This is you singing? Yeah. He said, okay, I want you to write a song for me for this new TV show, and it's about a young girl going to college and da 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 Do you think you can handle that? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to send a cassette to your house this afternoon with the music, and I want to see you. This was on a this was on a Wednesday. I want to see you in the studio Friday to see what you come up with. I said, well, don't you want to hear it first before we go in the studio? He said, no, if you're the same person, I think you can do what I need done. I'll see you Friday. okay. So now I called the casting office back and said, did y'all just call me? Because now I'm thinking it's my friends playing a joke on me because they know how much I wanted to audition for this show. They said, no, is there a problem? Can you come in? I said, oh, no, no, I'll be there. I'll see you tomorrow. I went in and auditioned. Before I auditioned, I made a phone call. I said, I need a lawyer to negotiate this music contract. This is is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I called. The yellow pages for free legal advice, couldn't find anybody. The yellow Opened my textbook and saw that they had a law office in New York City. I used the le- the yellow pages. I called them up. I said, You don't know me, but I just studied your book in school and I have a question I need to speak to you about. They said, Well, come into our office. So I told them, I just graduated school. I don't have any money, but I know I need some help. Can you do you have do you have a legal aid assistant or somebody that can help me? They said, Well, tell us what's going on. I told them what's going on. They said, we'd be happy to help you out. And I said, no, no, no. You must have missed the part where I said, I don't have any money. <laughs> I, can't, I can't pay you. They said, no, we're impressed with the fact that you want to do this well. You want to do this the right way. So we are not going to charge you a dime. All we ask is that when you get a chance, you be willing to help someone else out who needs help. And I sat in their office and I cried. I literally cried. And they negotiated the best contract I had ever had in my life, making sure I got 50% writer's royalties, that I got screen credit, et cetera, et cetera. And till the day they passed away, they never would take a penny from me for the money that I have earned writing that, that theme song. So when I started the A New Day Foundation... Um, it was to formally support my efforts to support those who want to do the right thing, the right way.
1: I'm crying. That is amazing. First of all, (laughs) it's a beautiful story. story. But secondly, it's just another example of a person showing up and being who they are and sharing their gifts, not only the musical gifts, the talent gifts, but the gifts of being who you are, being assertive, being about your business. It made space for you. It made a way for you. And as by result, a way for other people. That, that's,
2: wow. Thank you. So yeah. we have two programs, one for young teen males, and it's called Mentors, T o m e n t o r s, And that stands for men talking of relevant situations. And we have one for teen girls from ages 13 to 19 called Sisters Hangout. And then we do an annual conference every year called Focused and Fit, F i t for a different world and FIT stands for financially and technologically informed. So we do day long workshops in financial literacy, in technology, in health and wellness and motivation activation workshops, as well as uh, responsible sexual behaviors for teens. Because that conference in particular is geared toward the four-year demographic of high school juniors and seniors and college freshmen and sophomores. So that two years into your transition into the rest of your higher education future. And then that two years after, now that I'm here, now what?
1: Right.
2: Um, so we give those workshops so that we can get kids into and through college, uh, as well as helping them with career exposure and understanding that the way the world is going is you have to have a strong financial understanding and economic, a world economic standing, mm-hmm. as well as a grasp on technology. Because a lot of the things, depending on what you're learning in school, could be obsolete by the time you graduate if you are not aware of how technology keys into what it is you are currently learning. Because by the time you graduate, it's going to be leaps and bounds from where you started in school. So at the conference also, we generally give out at least eight scholarships of $2,000 each um, and a brand new computer to each scholarship recipient to help with their higher edge education needs, as well as getting through classes. Because especially since a lot of people have had to be home, Mm -hmm. homeschooling, they're sharing computers. A lot of kids don't even have their own computers, et cetera. So we, we do that and we give out academic achievement scholarships or grants or gifts to our high school juniors who aren't ready to go into college, but could use some support and encouragement. And we usually give them some kind of uh, technological device, whether it's an iPad or a, a tablet, etc., et to keep them encouraged for their grades.
1: That's great, John. Don, I'm going to put this in the uh, show notes when we post the episode. But also, can you quickly tell people the uh, email address? I mean, not even the email address. The website? So the website address, yeah. Yes,
2: okay. So you can find us at A New Day Foundation, which is www.anewdayfoundation.net And we also have a Facebook page. So check us out uh, if you want to donate because our programs go year round and we offer all of them free of charge. So we absorb the cost so that all the kids have to do is show up, just get there. And we have the different we call them experiences for our teen pro programs. We do three for the boys and three for the girls every year and then our annual conference. So all of the money that is donated goes to support those programs uh, as well as give out the scholarships. Um, if anyone wants to make a donation to go to a specific area, all they have to do is identify that on their giving, which can be done uh, through the website. So we are welcoming all support. Right now we're doing a holiday drive to provide gift cards and meals to families in need during the holiday season. So we've already collected several thousand dollars That is going to be distributed actually this week. That's
1: great. Is this uh, these programs locally based in California or they nationwide? Actually,
2: they are the conference. Now that we've added the virtual element is now nationwide, even international. Last year's conference was virtual. So we had kids from as far away as London, Canada. Uh, I'm primarily based in California. Uh, so often most of these programs take place wherever I am. Uh, I was doing some programs while I was here in New York doing Tina, uh, prior to the the pandemic starting and everything shutting down. Um, we haven't been able to do that since we reopened, uh, because we're still in the midst of the pandemic. So we're doing what we are doing virtually. Uh, so when I get back to California in the spring, when my contract here expires, Uh, We will be trying to resume in person again, but no, they're not restricted. So if an organization, say in Texas or Florida, wants to have one of our experiences, then we can do the fundraising or cooperation with, with whatever corporation may be in that area to fund it, to bring me there so we can organize that same kind of event in their community. The programs go wherever I go. Got it. Love
1: it. I mean, we are going to... I have a few more things I want to go through, but we're going to have to cut this down because otherwise you know, we have a two-part episode and I can't
2: do okay, it. Okay, well, how are we doing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I didn't realize you we were talking so long.
1: Because we're <laughs> having a great conversation with... That's what these things are about. I'm, I'm just grateful and I'm, and we're all blessed uh, for you to be here. There's a couple of things that you shared with me, though, that I definitely want people to know about. And one of them is yeah. you have this deep love of music. You just talked about writing the theme song for a different world um, and I know that you won several awards and been nominated for other awards but I also know that your career might have looked a little different had you got this had you been chosen on this audition for this great R&;D group in the 80s and that story blew my <laughs> uh, at dinners so I want you to share that with my, uh,
2: my okay <laughs> all right well I actually have two of those stories. Because when I was coming up in New York City, you could not have told me I was not going to be a recording artist. That's where my focus was, doing Broadway and making records. I wanted to be Stephanie Mills. That was what I wanted to do. Stephanie Mills was my absolute hero. My very first Broadway show was The Wiz. And when I saw her on stage as Dorothy, I cried. By the time she got to be a lion and home, I was a puddle. Stephanie Mills is one of the most amazing performers I have ever seen live anywhere. And her recordings speak for themselves. So that's the that's the trail that I was following. Okay. All right. When I got out of college, I was very busy. I was ready to come back to New York and conquer the world. So one of the first things I did was I got an office temp job because I needed to make some money, but I didn't want to be tied down to a nine to five. And I am not the waitress type. No, the wrong person says the wrong thing to me. It would be a problem. Yeah, it would be a problem. uh no, I'm, not, I'm not good for rudeness and never be rude to people handling your food. That's, that's free. That's don't be rude to people handling your food. Okay. So I was an office temp. Ask me if I'd ever worked in the office before. No. Ask me if I knew how to use a typewriter. No. There was a thing called a word processor back then. Yay. So at the time, at this time, I was working in the world trade center and I was the executive assistant replacement who had called out. So they called in the temp. So I had been there maybe a week when I heard on the radio, WBLS, that they were having this concert. They were having this competition at Club Leviticus in Midtown Manhattan to replace Jody Watley as Shalimar. <laughs> I took my little cassette with my little tracks. I called my job. You're going to have to get a temp for the temp. I'm going to go be a Shalamar. So I went down to Leviticus short of the long story it was this competition there. I won for New York. And that was when I met Howard Hewitt and Mickey Free. And I had on this short, I mean, short, I wore a lot of short stuff, short suede, off the shoulder, asymmetrical cut, mini dress with black fishnet stockings and pumps. And, and and Howard Hewitt, I remember to this day, he said, dang, that girl can sing. There's like, which one? He said, fishnets. Howard must have called me That He still calls me Fishnets. If you ask Howard Hewitt today, we have been friends now for what, the last 35 years it is? 35, 36 years? Fishnets. Anyway, so needless to say, we went through the whole thing. They picked singers from New York, Chicago, Texas to come to California for this final like big star search moment where they were going to pick the winner to be in Shalimar. Well, little did any of us know that this was all a publicity stunt. They had already decided to pick Delisa Davies, and we were all just the whole hype thing. So when the competition was over and they announced Delisa as the winner, the crowd was like, "No, New York, New York, New York!" And so they pulled me back up on stage and two other young ladies and said, "No, no, 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 no. Delisa is going to be in Shalimar, but we're going to start a new girl group with these three girls." And so the audience went, oh, okay, okay, great, great, yay. Needless to say, that was a lie. Um, they just did it to quiet the, the audience down. Great. But Howard and I have remained friends. Howard, myself, and Mickey, and Jody were all friends. Okay, fine. So I go back to my grind. I go back to my grind. So now I'm doing the tap dance kid on the road. I come back. Remember, begging three months for an audition. Couldn't get one. In the middle of those three months, Luther Vandross, very good friend of mine. I'd become great friends with all of the people in the band. It was like a family. We'd been friends for years. In fact, when I was out in L.A. doing the whole Shalimar thing, Luther was out in concert at the Universal Amphitheater. So the competition was over, but they were still hanging out. So the singers, they were like, well, Dawn, just come and stay with us in our hotel room, change your ticket, and you can hang out with us for a few days. So that was what I did. So I hung out with Luther and the band and, and all the singers, Lisa Fisher, Marcus, you know, um, all the, all those people, Byron Byron, Byron Miller, all the, all the band. All right. So a month later, Brenda, the one who sings the bottom, has to take a lead. And so they are auditioning replacements for Brenda. So they're like, Dawn, you know Luther loves you. You should come and audition. It's like a shoe in girl. You know all the all the choreography? Stop, stop to love. Come home from the road. Okay, fine. So we're at the audition. Luther, big hugs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're singing, we're singing. First of all, Luther had a minimum. You had to be 5'8 to be one of his background singers. You couldn't tell me I wasn't 5'8 <laughs> until you stand next to Lisa Fisher. And you realize you're not quite 5'8. It's like, okay, all right. So we sing the song. I'm doing the steps. Luther pulls me over afterwards and put his arm around me, baby. You know, I love you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I need a little more finesse and a little less soul train. I was like. Ah. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't get the gig. But then a month later, I booked a different world. So Luther used to tease me and say, you know, you owe me money. I said, what do you mean? He said, because if I had hired Joe behind, you wouldn't be a star right now. So you owe me some money. Like, he said, like, yeah. I want my cut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Luther Vandross, rest his soul. What a great soul. Rest his soul. <laughs> what a
2: beautiful, amazing human being. Amazing yeah. human being. Love him, love him, love him. Yeah, love him, it. love him. So he's it. right though. Had he hired me, because I wanted to be a Luther girl for real. I really did. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has ever seen a Luther Vandross concert, you know that those women were fabulous. The show was flawless. It was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing.
1: It's really a life-altering experience. But you know, I wanted you to share that story. Not only is it entertaining, but I think it's an important story because so many people, particularly young people, get so focused on a specific path, a specific set of goals. Mm -hmm. And sometimes God, life, whatever you want to believe in, will throw you curveballs, will alter your course, it'll course correct for you and take you, but it's always going to take you exactly where you belong.
2: Where you need to be. But you got to be prepared because had that musical director called me and asked me, was I the composer and the singer? And I said, yes. And if I really wasn't, that would have been an opportunity blown. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You have Mm -hmm. to really be prepared to show up. And since then, uh, I've released my own CD. I've recorded with other recording artists, everyone from Take Six to Patrice Russian to Everett Harp. To I've written for Grover Washington Jr. and Nancy Wilson. I mean, I've written for different movies and TV shows, which was how I ended up being inducted into the Women's Songwriters Hall of Fame. So I may not have become the recording artist of note, but my music and my compositions have in so many different ways. And I still release music independently. I still do concerts if and when I choose to, there's just so many ways to experience and explore. And to be in the Women's Songwriters Hall of Fame, I was inducted alongside Valerie Simpson, Roberta Flack, Naomi Judd, Mary Chapin Carpenter. I mean, Denise Williams, it, the women from the Go-Go's, the women from Climax. It's just insane. It is so humbling. And um, at that inaugural ceremony in DC, I... Uh, Through my foundation, through the New Day Foundation, we sponsored a table and invited uh, some high school juniors, young girls who Mm -hmm. want to be songwriters and singers from the Renaissance Music Academy here in the Bronx. They came down and sat at the table. Then I found a young girl who just graduated from high school, is now attending Clark Atlanta University, majoring in music composition. We gave her a $2,000 scholarship and a brand new keyboard so that she can keep writing music. And another uh, grad student from Howard University who is majoring in music composition, we gave her a $2,000 scholarship and a brand new computer, and they all were invited to the event. And Valerie Simpson, Naomi Judd, all of these people came and sat and talked with them. They were in the room with these legends, these women that they are aspiring to be. That's how we pay it forward. That's how we make a difference. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm so grateful for how it continues to bless my life. But when I see the light in someone else's eyes and the opportunity in someone else's life, and child, I'm trying to plan seeds to make sure I can keep working because when these children grow up, I'm... <laughs> Miss Dawn. <laughs> Remember when Miss Dawn gave you a scholarship?
1: <laughs> Remember when Miss Dawn
2: gave you a computer?
1: Your young co-star from <laughs> definitely won the watch. She's a mogul in the making. She's already executive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Listen, listen. Yes,
2: having- I mean, all jokes aside, I'm only kidding. They don't owe me know, a thing. I but I mean, it's it's just a blessing to be able to plant those seeds because I just know how it saved my life. It changed my life and saved my life.
1: No, I, I really- can't let you go
2: until yeah. we talk about one more thing. Though I don't know I if there's see. anything else you wanted to talk about.
1: Listen, this is a conversation between two people. So what you want to talk about?
2: Come on, come on, Trekkie. Come on, Trekkie.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, oh, you saw that in my email. I sure did. Um, so, in addition to all this other stuff you do, you give good voice. I heard. Thank you so much. Mm. Thank you so much. I must and do about early. a dozen
2: shows. I think Man. I do close to a dozen shows now. Uh, the newest one.
1: And so y'all know what we're talking about, by the way. We're talking about voiceovers. Don does Voice-over. voiceovers. Animation. Amazing. amazing animated shows, including Star Trek: Lower Decks, which I watch. I'm a nerd. I'm a Trekkie. Yes. Uh, Playing Captain Carol Freeman of all fields. Yes.
2: It means the world to me to be in the Trek family. I have been a Trekkie since it first aired back in the 60s. Oh my God, I was a little baby born glued to the TV looking at this amazingly gorgeous Nichelle Nichols, a black woman next to a white man, next to a Russian man, next to an Asian man, next to a man with pointy ears. And they were all amazing and excellent and badasses and smart. And I couldn't believe it. It's like this is this is the future. Mm-hmm. We get to live and be awesome in the future and not just a black person, but a black woman. Mm-hmm. The, really? While I'm watching my mom be assaulted, I'm watching this amazing woman represent us in the future. It was everything to me. And I've spent my career wanting to be a Klingon, Romulan warrior, something with prosthetic forehead and a giant nose and funky teeth. And it didn't manifest that way. But I am a Starship captain. Hey, one of the three Black ones ever.
1: Yes, myself,
2: Avery Books, and Mads Sinclair.
1: I love it. And it's not over yet. I mean, they've got a whole- and it's not over there. yet. We, we were in the
2: work. process of recording season three. I just won uh, an image award for the Women's M Image Award and was nominated for two NAACP image awards for Star Trek Lower Decks. So I'm honored to be there. And uh, some of the other shows, like currently uh, the newly released Karma's World that is created by and executive produced by Ludacris. I do the voice of Ms. Washington on that show. Uh, I play Miss Patty on Apple and Onion. I do a variety of voices for The Simpsons for like the last seven years. Uh, recently, the new Fox series House Broken. I do voices for that series for, for Duncanville. I was La Barbara in Futurama. Um, and the list just goes on. And I'm very, very grateful.
1: What do you like most about voiceover work?
2: The fact that I can be just about anybody. Mm-hmm. I can be a seven-year-old boy. I can be an 88-year-old Jewish man. I can be a monster. I can be a grandmother. I can be a teacher. I can be a fairy. I can be whatever. It's it's remarkable. The As long as I can get my voice to be authentic, they will animate around that. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much fun. It's a lot of fun. I do a bunch of video games as well.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you forget about kids those kids that there was voiceovers as well. One of your castmates from Different World is... Uh,
2: Cree Summer. Cree well. Summer yeah. is another one. Cree is prolific when it comes to voices. So she and I, every now and then, we find ourselves in the studio working together. It's uh-huh. very, very cool. Tell her... Cree was actually know. the very first voiceover actor that I'd actually ever met. Oh, really? Yes, when we were doing A Different World. She was the very first voiceover actor I'd ever met. And my very first voiceover job was doing the kid and play cartoon. Uh, If you remember that, 20 some odd years ago. And uh, I played the young, annoying sister and I imitated my niece and she hated it. She hated it. And she used to tell me that I owe her money for imitating her. She's like, she talks straight up from Brooklyn and she talked just, just like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Auntie. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was doing her in the the show. Mm Mm-hmm. I love uh-huh. it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I have so much fun. I have so much fun.
1: I love it. You got. You got to break her off. Though, break her
2: off. No, <laughs> I helped raise her. Take her to the circus dinner. Off. No, no, and she know, still, still owes me. Credit.
1: Now you sound like somebody's mama. Somebody's Thank money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she you. She still owes me. I think I still have bank. I I still have credits. I do. Uh,
1: hey, you I'm got certain. Listen, you know, a couple of things before we let you go. I mean, you've done so much, right? And you started and you did TV, you've done Broadway, you've done so much. And you're a kind of person I noticed this at dinner, you're you're gonna you're gonna know where you stand with Don Lewis, right? You're gonna be direct, you're gonna be, you know, kind with it, but you're gonna be direct. Uh, and I found as I've navigated entertainment that sometimes, you know, people who stand up for themselves often often get labeled as difficult. Because you're showing up for yourself in the way you should show up for yourself. But this business can be a mess. And at some point, everybody, you know, kind of has to stand up for themselves. How does Don Lewis, the straight-talking, talented Black woman and human being, navigate the ins and outs and the ups and downs of this industry and and not lose sight of yourself? How have you found a way to do that and avoid that label? And I think it's a false label of being difficult. How have you found a way to navigate that? Because everybody I've come across loves you. But you also stand up for yourself.
2: That's very kind. Um, I don't know that everyone loves me. I'm sure there are some people that think I'm a bit too outspoken. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I I know that for a fact. Uh, There was one job in particular that I had that um, I had trusted my representatives to stand up for me, only to find out that at the end of the day, they were not standing up for me. They were protecting their opportunity to get more people cast Mm -hmm. on the show that I was doing. So instead of protecting me, they were protecting their future opportunities with other talent. Um, But in my understanding, they were speaking on my behalf. So for me to continue to go to work and deal with the environment that I was being dealt, Mm -hmm. to me, was an additional slap in the face. Because from my perspective, okay, so you've been told that what you're doing is racist. You've been told that what you're doing is a problem and yet you're still doing it. So I did not know that they weren't being told. So that's the perspective I was coming from. So when I came to work, after a point I started, I stopped going through my management and speaking for myself to say, you will not speak to me that way. I will not deal this way. This is a problem. And then I got labeled as being difficult when I was no longer on that show. Because after I left the show, the ratings changed. The ratings dropped mm-hmm. substantially. And then the, the news outlets got, well, why is Dawn Lewis on no longer in the show? She was the best thing in the show. And what happened would happen. So they would not confess that they were the issue, that they were racist, that they were doing all of these things. So their response is, oh, well, she's a problem. And she would come to work cursing everybody out and et cetera, et cetera. And, and i was like, What? Mm -hmm. There are people who've known me for decades who've never heard me say a single curse word. I'm the person that asked, is it a problem for us to pray before we go in front of the audience? I'm the person that wanted to include our guest cast when we did introductions and bows in front of the studio audience. And they didn't want to do it. I was like, well, what is the problem? I mean, we're here. They've been here working with us all week. Their families are sitting in the audience. Their agents. This would mean a lot to them. To come out and bow next to us. What does it? And I would ask my other castmates, do any of you have a problem with this person coming out and bowing? Like, no, we're, we're fine. It's like, so they didn't like the fact that um, I spoke up, but they didn't like the fact that I was caring for the other people. But in their retelling of it, they retold my participation in a very different way than what actually happened in order to protect themselves, to make themselves look better. So I know that that kind of thing happens. And it's very cruel because because that ends up affecting people's possibilities of getting future work Absolutely. if you're labeled as difficult. So while I remain candid, I do my best to let my team do their job. That's why you pay them. Mm-hmm. That's why you give them 10% so that you can go to work and maintain a positive and cooperative ad- ad- attitude mm-hmm. while there was someone strongly advocating on your behalf where it needs to be advocated right and you give them whatever tools they need in order to be successful you don't show up late you don't go around cursing people out you don't want to give people any ammunition to say this is your fault right. do you know what i'm saying yeah but at absolutely. the same time you should not put yourself in a position to be taken advantage of or oppressed and that's a tricky thing in this in- industry because you you desire so much to be creative, you desire so much to have these opportunities. and unfortunately, far too many producers and production companies take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And they play on people's desperation and their eagerness. And the work environment is not always conducive um, in a healthy way yeah. for the people who participate under some of these contracts with some of these companies. But there are other companies that are. So outstanding to work for and work with. And you just wish you could be there forever. Mm-hmm. Because the the humanity, the compassion, the consideration, the appreciation of what you bring to the table is so fantastic. It's, you know, so there's both sides of the spec spec spectrum.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And life's too short to be toiling away mm-hmm. in that kind of misery. You're sharing mm-hmm. the gifts with the world, they should be sharing at least some kindness with you, not to mention revenue. And
2: mm-hmm. um, we're hearing that a lot on Broadway.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, with the Black Lives Matter and the BAC and reimagining, you know, and the BTS and people imagining, reimagining Broadway and what it could and should be for people of color mm-hmm. and for women and for the, you know, LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. It's It's got to change. Yeah. It cannot remain the status quo. And that's like everything that we have seen around the world. Protests are not just happening here in America, but around the world where people are saying enough is enough.
1: Yeah. I think people really really have to seize their power though, because we've seen, and we're already seeing it happen. All the lip service people gave last year in many ways, lip service.
2: And some of them are still giving it.
1: Yeah. But when you look at it, it. they don't exist without us. So at some point, when do we take back that which is ours and you figure it out without us and see what
2: happens. And you figure it out without us. Yeah. exactly so a lot of people are talking about we want to be agents of change mm-hmm. until you see well we want to be agents of change as long as we don't actually have, have to change anything
1: yeah, yeah. those days are over Done. time's up to borrow a phrase from another movement you um, you've been fortunate enough to be in, in a number of productions from <coughs> to, to tina that touch on real life social issues and real world issues and in meaningful and impactful ways I suspect I have some sense of your answer to this, but what do you see, Don, as the inherent um, role of art and artists in helping to move our culture and our society forward? So much of what we want to do in the world, uh, it's hard for people to digest, right? Until they see it in Star Trek or in a film or a television show. Uh-huh. What do you feel is the role of artists and, and, and art in general and, and helping us move forward as a society?
2: I think you just said it. Um, leading by example. You know, there's that phrase, um, it's, it can sound trite, but it it isn't, is you, if you can see it, you can be it. You know what I mean? And even if it's in someone's imagination, I mean, something as simple as a cell phone. In 1960, 661, when Star Trek first started, they had the communicator, that little flip thing yeah. that you would you would talk on, the little button you would push that you could talk into it a little earpiece. What are we doing right now? Mm -hmm. We're we're doing that exact thing. That was in someone's imagination decades ago. But it's who we are now. We have all these different TV movies with a black president, with a black woman president, a woman president, you know, for the last few decades. Morgan Freeman has been president how many times? (laughs) Tiny Lister was was president. Mm -hmm. Jamie Foxx was, was president. And now look at where we are decades later. I think it's necessary. I think it's mandatory for us to continue to depict and express and sing and shout our visions, our dreams, our hopes, because that's the only way we get to the other side of what we can possibly be and how far we can continue to push existing boundaries and and, 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 and aspirations for who we are and for what the world has yet to experience and to evidence and nothing quite frankly is entirely new no it's just where do we go from here with this you know
1: yeah absolutely you're still
2: doing stuff that we're, they were talking about in bi- biblical days you do i do my morning devotions you know and and we're still talking about the consequences of poor health practices mm-hmm. and plagues and viruses and how to eat healthier and all kinds of things, um, basic hygiene, all kinds of things. They were talking about in scripture thousands of years ago. Absolutely. A lot of this stuff is just not new. It's where do we go from here? And unfortunately, why are we still having some of the same conversations?
1: It's incredibly frustrating. As mm-hmm. you know, as I've shared, I've studied ministry and I'm starting my master's in divinity.
2: Congratulations again on that. Thank That's you. fantastic. That's awesome.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm just you know here to do what I'm supposed to do and serve other people. But it's it's just I have a patience thing that's a challenge for me because I'm the same thing as you. I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh my god, we've been talking about this for two thousand years. Are y'all serious? Uh-huh. Like, look, can you check your heart out, please, and go and figure out what's going on in there? Because that's where the problem is. The information is all around us. It's in every book you've ever read. Like, it's all there. So, what's going on I inside mean. that is making you resistant? to getting into this, particularly in a country like ours where people love to talk about being a Christian nation, but we're doing okay. everything but being Christ-like. My God.
2: I agree.
1: Let's, let's I agree together. Dawn, I found for me uh, that life really opened up not when I understood what I do for a living, but when I went past all that and understood who I am, who is the authentic right. Ricky Day at his core, uh-huh. who is Dawn
2: Lewis at her core? Wow. Um, In all honesty, I don't know how to put that in words. (laughs) I don't. Um, Like Gladys, I do my best to be confident, but not conceited because I work very hard at what I do. I'm very intentional about what I do. I'm very intentional about my relationships and those that I love and those that I can love up close and those that I recognize I have to love at a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a person of compassion, but I'm also very particular. Um, I don't ask or require anything of anyone else that I do not ask or require of myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So while I understand everyone has a different trajectory, everyone moves at their own pace, For me to be engaged with you, I just need to know that you are moving and that you are not standing waiting for someone to make something happen for you or that you allow circumstances and excuses to paralyze you. We all get stalled from time to time, but a stall is not a stop. Do you know what I'm saying? I I believe in Christ. I believe in salvation. I believe in fellowship. I believe we each need our own relationship. Mm -hmm. And the more we invest in our vertical relationship with Christ, the healthier our horizontal relationships with each other can be because of the skill set and the relational respect that we gain doing it this way. And, uh, the God I serve is a loving God, a forgiving God, a God of another chance, not a second chance. Cause I know I've already used up more than two. <laughs> so he's a God of another chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. As I allow him to see my, my heart and, uh, it's in my power to do that. So who am I? I, I am, I believe a creative cooperative Compassionate soul, I think Feels yeah. about
1: right to me. He loves
2: to have fun, huh?
1: Feels about right to me.
2: Okay, I mean, I love to laugh. I love to have a good time. I'm definitely an adventurer. I love to travel. I ride horses. I play golf. Uh, I scuba dive. I race dirt bikes. I I love my family. I have three of the most amazing brothers on the planet. Uh, my mom is my superhero. Um, and I am, I am grateful. I am grateful to have so much love and so much support, um, because that's not something you can count on in this industry. And, uh, I'm the only one in my family in the business. So I ride and ride and die, ride and fly on my own. Mm -hmm. So knowing that I have that in my reality as my foundation, um, lets me know that however high I fly. I know that they're there with me. And however low the tide gets in between gigs or whatever, I know that they're there with me. And that makes all the difference in the world. That makes the highs not so high and the lows not so low. Just just keep it moving.
1: I love it. Dawn, last question. I ask everybody this. This is another one of those deep ones, but it's not really. Oh, gosh. It's really. Okay. What kind of world do you want to leave behind? And what do you feel is your role in, in that world that you're trying to create?
2: Wow. The kind of world I want to leave behind is a world that appreciates. A world that recognizes the light in themselves, is brave enough to let it shine, but then appreciates the light that is in others. Because everybody's got a light, right? Everybody's got a little light under the sun, under the sun. (laughs) Come on now. Enjoy so my man, light. Do we you have to pay royalties royal for that? Love you guys. So my light does not dim your light. It just makes us two brighter lights together. And you can imagine, just like I want to be respected and encouraged and supported, so does the next person. Mm-hmm. So just recognize that. And let's allow our lights to create a brightness, a blinding brightness, as opposed to being committed to dousing someone else's light and someone else's spirit. No one wants to walk in darkness. And if you need my darkness to elevate your light, then that's your problem. That's your problem. Because I serve a God that says my light is on a mountaintop and shall not be put under a lamp. Who does that? Nope. Nope. I'm a light. I am salt. My job is to leave things better, more preserved, pacified, and flavorful when I leave the room.
1: Amen. Hallelujah. And let me go run around. Hold up. Come on. <laughs> so Dawn, That's Dawn, what salt Dawn. does. Dawn. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on now. Don't don't, don't make me start shouting, Speaking in tongues and all kinds. Of, I grew up Pentecostal. Come um, on
2: now. Come on now. <laughs>
1: But Don, you have been gracious in your time, gracious. I, I just, I love you. I appreciate you. And we thank you so much for joining
2: us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show, Ricky Day. Yay.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know you uh, further. And uh, we'll talk after this, but thank you so much. Have a wonderful holiday.
2: Please thank you. be
1: safe on that great, be I'm not going to call it that way. That no. rainbow We way. Need to
2: work. We said <laughs> to work. Yeah. I hope all of your listeners are safe at work and have a blessed and beautiful holiday. And may 2022 be a blessing and joy to you.
1: Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Dawn Lewis.
2: Bye.
0: Well, y'all, that's it. Those of you who listen to the podcast every week know that. This is typically where I summarize, uh, I think, the uh, major themes of each episode. And it's almost a micro sermon, if you will. But today, I want to respect your time in the most profound and generous of ways. Don and I had a good time. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. But we got so chatty, that thing went pretty long. And I didn't want to edit it out because I thought it was great and you'd entertain, be entertained by it and enjoy it. But because of that, I don't want to go on for too long. So I'm going to leave you with this. Once again, I am so grateful for each and every one of you who show up and listen to the podcast every week, who share it with your friends and your family. You are golden and I appreciate you. I also just want to remind you that Dawn is a perfect example of somebody who took the time to find her gifts, to lean into those gifts, to train herself to use those gifts as best she could and then use those gifts to make this world a more entertaining and more thoughtful, and more engaging, and more just place. That's all that you're called to do, to figure out who you are on the inside, to figure out what your gifts are, and how you can use those gifts, not only to make a profit or make a name for yourself, but to serve other people, to make the world a little bit better, and hopefully, if you happen to believe, to serve God, to bring glory to God's name. You guys, it has been an amazing first year of the podcast. An amazing first two seasons. And as wonderful and engaging and successful as it has been, baby, the best is yet to come. So enjoy the rest of your holidays. Be safe out there. Wear your freaking mask. Please don't be the idiot standing outside school who doesn't know better this is real and science can save us if we trust it more than we trust our instincts to be silly. But to each his own. no matter what, I love you. I hope and pray and wish the best to each and every one of you and uh, enjoy that holiday. Enjoy your family. Enjoy this amazing blessing that is life once again my name is Ricky Day and this is the podcast nothing to lose but yourself Uh, as you know I created this last year I produced it for most of this year by myself and then the second season I brought on a talented young brother named Matthew Guthrie uh, who uh, is helping to produce the podcast I want to thank him personally I want to thank each and every one of you for listening I want to thank each and every one of you for sharing and I want to encourage you to live each day like it's your last spread joy wherever you go. Go. And most importantly, don't forget, y'all, to love yourself, to love not only your loved ones, but love your strangers and neighbors and enemies, love everybody. Watch how love can not only transform your life, but it can transform the world around you. And if we engage in loving communication that's talking and listening, I believe that we can change this world one conversation at a time. Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, and good day.